Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, the Star Trek podcast. We're here today for episode 203. My name is Caitlin and today I'm joined by Jake, Chris, and Ames. And on this fabulous day, we are going to discuss two episodes of Deep Space Nine, Business as Usual, and Ties of Blood and Water. But before we get to the action, it's around holiday time, life day, and we got some gifts for Jake and Ames. Um, I looked it up. Life day is actually in November. Oh, well. Which is stupid. Well, uh, Miss Manners says that as long as you get the gift within a year, it's fine. Oh, good. I I like that. No, that's actually wedding etiquette, but... Whatever. It was the only I think thing it I works could, here. One time, thing I could think of. Time has become meaningless in today's lifescape. That's true. But yeah, we um we got y'all some little gifts, and those who listened to a couple of episodes ago will know last that week. was it last week? It was last week. I know time has become meaningless. Oh, I thought it was uh all right. No, cause, well, because Liz was here. Oh yeah, you're right. Of course, I'm so dumb. Anyway, those who were who joined us last week know that we had a visit from Commander Kira. Major. Uh, Major. Well, she she said Commander. Did she? She she said Colonel. Oh, Colonel. Ooh. Because yeah, spoilers. Because, oh, dang. I can't spoilers. wait for that. Well, whatever. Major Kira, and I wept openly for many moments. Yes. Uh, but yes. So we have gifts for y'all now today. Hooray! Thank you so much, guys. You're welcome. The holiday season does not end. Nope. No, I'm pretty sure this is it. Let's start with Ames. All right, I'll open this puppy up. It's a puppy? <gasps> Why is it in this paper? Don't tear it apart. All right, so it is an article of clothing. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. It is a it is a t-shirt that says hike because people suck, which is why uh, I hike. <laughs> yay. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm going to have to wear this hiking. And glower at anyone you see on the path. Yeah, that would that's actually the, be really funny. <laughs> that's the funniest thing, because I've hiked with my friend who moved out here from California, and she says, wow, in the the Northeast, when you are hiking and you pass somebody on the trail, they always, like, say hi. And in California, they don't. And, and I said, that sounds backwards. Yeah. because sounds like it you, should be the other way around. Yeah, everything you hear about the Northeast is like, we're not friendly here. No, we're standoffish and secretly, yeah, not so bullshit, secretly hate though. you. I, th- I think, I, I don't know. I don't know where that stereotype came from. Because, I, I don't know. I think I think people here are more sarcastic, maybe. Mm. So they act like assholes more. But I think generally, there's no... I don't think people are less friendly here. Than I think I've we're just cold. We're cold and trying to get to Physically the next stop. Physically or yeah. emotionally? Physically. Ah, mm, and emotionally. that too. I mean, it's true in, in in California, like I think there might be more fake friendliness. I don't know. Ooh, that sounds Oh shit. I'm, that I'm, sounds I'm interesting. Throw, I'm throwing down on California. I mean, I LA. Think, I think I'd say it would probably depend on the part of California. Like yeah, LA is probably mostly phoniness. Mm. And like, I don't know about you guys, but I've I've never felt very good about quote unquote southern hospitality. 
because <laughs> that shit seems backhanded as fuck. Oh, well, bless your heart. Yeah, Actually, exactly. I just, that kind of shit. I just mm-hmm. started reading the DeForest Kelly biography. Oh, no. And, like, the fucking prologue made me cry. God damn Aww. it. Yeah, the prologue was by, oh, God. Herb Solo? No, who the fuck was it by? One of them. One of the producers on the show that just was talking about how DeForest Kelly was just the nicest, most pleasant man who ever existed. I'm like, God damn it, no! Aww. I might have to borrow that one from you when you're done, because that sounds wonderful. All right, well, let me do my box. Yeah, <laughs> I love which your I'd like I to love point the out for paper. our listeners has um, frozen uh, wrapping paper. Wrapping paper, yeah, specifically like Frozen Two. Yeah, it's Frozen Two. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I've not seen either of them, but I you, do know the you characters. You can tell from uh, Elsa's dress. Well, I can only assume you wrapped it this way because you know how much I love Elsa. 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 Yes, for for listeners who don't get the reference, our neighbor's dog is named Elsa. Oh. <laughs> so ah. we, we hear about uh, Elsa then, all the yes, time. Yes, totally intentional. <laughs> all right, let us, let us pray. The second one is um, mediocre story, absolutely beautiful animation. Oh, the movie. Yeah. Not the gift that Jake is opening. No, no. No, the what? gift is amazing. The gift is far less mature than I need. I need yours. to see this. Jake is very precariously unwrapping. Well, there's a box. Oh, it looks like some kind of cup. Uh, perhaps a mug. It is a mug. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! What no! <laughs> oh, God, I can't, re- I can't read the... Oh, the- okay. So it's oh, He-Man. No. He's saying, what are you doing? What you doing, Fisto? And and there's Fisto, and he's saying, just relax, He-Man. <laughs> point out, He-Man is on his hands and knees. And where the hell did you get that? T-Public. Oh, my wow. God. Wow. I am, yeah, I am I should... impressed that this exists, and I'm even more impressed that I now own it. As soon as Chris... So Chris actually did a lot of the shopping. Well, did did your shopping this year, because I usually am like, what about these things? Are these things good? This year, Chris was like, how about these things? And I was like, they're perfect. Yay. But when he showed <laughs> showed me that mug, I almost fucking died. I was like, yes, Jake well, absolutely needs that mug. The best thing is, it wasn't even like I went looking for... Because I don't really... For fisting related. Yeah, because I would never have expected it on... It's also like, how do you search for that? Yeah, I don't know. Before you get something bad in your search history and weird ads. I get a lot of just generic T public ads on my Facebook. And it's weird because it's like they know I go to T public, but it seems to have missed like what I look for on it. Like I don't get like T public. Like nerd stuff. Nerd shit. I get like random fucking crap and so that was the ad one day it was like oh my god this this he-man thing and i was like hey caitlin i know what we're getting jake for christmas <laughs> that's it's amazing perfect. i love it I mean, i'm impressed that they that like that ad got approved by facebook i don't think they pay a lot of attention to them no no i guess not yeah unless there's like too much skin or something well, yeah. I do have to share before we move on to talking Star Trek, because we never talk Star Trek on this show. Uh, I just wanted to mention what what Jake did for me, because it was the cutest fucking thing for, for me for Christmas. Because Jake is doing a replay of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Gorgeous fucking game. Mm. 
And Jake knows my favorite character is Hestu, because I adore Hestu, like, with every fiber of my being. And I do the dance every time we talk to Hestu. Right and as show. I go over to the tree to pick up the gifts that are under the tree, I keep hearing this rattling. And I think it's coming from, like, outside or somewhere. I'm like, what is that noise, Jake? That is a new noise. And Jake's playing dumb, because of course he is, because he's, he, he's a, actually a really great fucking actor. And he's like, oh, I don't know, I don't hear anything. He's like, okay, fool, I'll just pick up, the, pick up the gift. And I move over and I pick up the gifts again, and the rattling starts again. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck did you do? You certainly did something, because you're you, and I know you. <clears throat> and he comes over and he's like, oh, yeah, what is that? It seems to be coming from over here, doesn't it? I'm like, oh, oh, what have you done? And I realize, okay, when I, when I move over here, we have this vase uh, we call the bronze atrocity. It's got, like, uh, it's a it's a Oh, the it's face a va- vase. The, yeah, the vase with, like, 20 faces on it. And I open up the, the vase, I pick up the vase, and it starts singing the Hestu song. <laughs> and I reach in, and there's a little plushy Hestu in there. That's the cutest thing. Um, because Jake had rigged it up while I was still sleeping that morning to have, like, a little motion sensor, so whenever I walked by, it would do the rattle. <laughs> but when I picked it up, it would sing the song. Wow. Oh my god, Jake is amazing. I know. <laughs> Thank He's... you, Jake. I love you. <laughs> Good work, bud. The Hestu song was actually my ringtone for the longest time. Ah, That's nice. It's great. I don't know it. I think I missed you playing that one, by and large. I mostly only remember the giant fairy ladies <laughs> who do terrible things to Link. Oh, my. Yep. Straight up the vag. Right? Yep. Right? That's what Every I said. Time. I was like, wow, just right up in there. Huh? Well, it's only it's only during the uh, yeah, that's the final one upgrade, because that's the only one where they actually pull him bodily into the pool. Oh no! I haven't. I've never. I haven't done that. Oh, I'm, I'm only. On, I only have the thir- the first three. Uh... Oh, Jake. Oh no. Oh yes. Oh my. Oh yes. Well, Chris got me an even star pendant, which is the perfect expression of nerdy love. Now, what is it from again? Uh, it's from the Lord of the Rings. Lord it's the, the necklace that uh, Arwen gives to Aragorn. Well, Aragorn gives it to her. Well, and then she and then gives, she it, gives back it to him to. You know, be like, you're coming back because I gave you my thing. And yeah. then, as usual, straight up the vag. Yep. Yep. Like with Link. That's, that's pretty much right. That's where I put it while I'm not wearing it, just to keep it safe. Wait a minute. <laughs> but it's so sharp. Well, don't kink shame me. <laughs> just kidding. It hasn't gone anywhere near my vag. It's, <laughs> it's been around my neck. I didn't sleep in it, though, because I, I was worried that I might damage it. No, that's fair. But... Or stab yourself in the chest. Well, yeah, that too. Now that we've Don't gotten shame me. Uh, <laughs> to a weird place, let's let's talk about Star Trek. Let's go to let's a go weirder place. Another weird place. Good old Deep, Deep Space, Space Nine. Nine. <laughs> uh... Well, uh, you know, it isn't that weird of a place because this is business as usual. Uh, oh, yeah. Ames. First episode of the week, business as usual. So Quark is broke. He's so broke that he's put the bar up for collateral to like three different brokers. He's wicked fucked. And we he's call lucky. that pulling the producers. Yeah. Hmm. It's like, surely it could make more money if I had a flop. Why didn't Quark ever do that? I feel like Quark definitely should be producing some really shitty theater. I think you've just found your next fanfic. Oh my god, I have. Okay, perfect. So, anyway, so yeah, he's he's totally, totally fucked. He's really broke. He's super deep in debt. But lucky for him, his cousin, Gala, the one with the moon, 
she, who also tried to kill him. Don't forget, yep. uh, oh, yeah. with, a, with a runabout roundabout. No, it was a uh, no. That's right. Ship. That's right. It was a. It was his own ship, wasn't it? My he bad. Delivered us little sure. green men instead. Oh God, that episode. So much Umox. More uh, Umox well, in this episode. I was gonna say this episode's got a little something too. So anyway, Gala shows up, and actually, the first thing he does is start touching his ears inappropriately when he sees Jadzia. Ugh. Yeah. Oh no, no I've, I I've had that. enough. It oh, was God. actually really yeah, yep. He both ears. He <laughs> was like female titillating. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway. Uh though interesting fact, I don't remember what the guy's name is, but the actor who plays Gala did the voice of Raphael in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Huh. So I'm on board. Jason Pace, I think I said. That sounds right. right. Wow. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with the summary. So Gala shows up and he's like, listen, Quark, I know you're a broke bitch and I know you generally don't like the work I do. Side note, he's like an arms dealer. Uh, but I can make you a ton of money. All your debts will be paid in a month. In six months, you're going to be loaded. In a year, you're going to basically be God. You can have your own moon. And Quark's like, moon. <laughs> um, basically. And who Moon's can blame over him? My I mean, hands. if I can have my own moon. <laughs> What'd you say? What'd no, you I said know? moons over my hammy, which is a dish from Denny's. Ooh, sounds like ham delicious. and eggs or some shit. I see. Oh, I could use a Denny's. Wow. I, I know Denny's isn't anything to write home about, but I don't know. I just, just haven't had like a restaurant-made breakfast in so long. Oh, yeah, that's and that's the best breakfast is a restaurant-made one. Yeah. yeah, I look forward to that being a thing again someday. Anyway, so Gala twists his arm and Quark's like, all right, cool. And Twists his arm and Shimmerman. Uh, <laughs> okay, that was good. That was good. We're I was ready getting... to be like, God damn it, Chris, but that was good. I mean, also, God damn it, Chris, but it was good, yeah. <laughs> so to get him started, Gala introduces Quark to his boss, Haggith. And he's the supplier of the arms. And, you know, Quark's kind of like having misgivings because he's like, I can't have you know, weapons on this on the station and they wind up using the holodeck, which is actually a pretty good way around it. So they can show prospective buyers, you know, what they're what they're getting without yeah. actually having to bring like anything a, onto the ship. Like a demo or pack. the station. Yeah. And actually Cork almost gets nailed. Uh Odo's onto him immediately as he knew he would be. But apparently Haggith sold some good some arms to the Bajorans, so they're like, don't you dare put Quark in jail or do anything to Haggith, we won't allow it. And uh, Deep Space Nine is like, okay, I guess. They should have sold some arms to Furel. Oh, God! To who? Pharrell, um, Kira's friend. Oh, the guy that lost his arm. Oh. <laughs> Although he does have an arm in this week's episode. I was going to say, we see him in the next episode. With um, two arms. Anyway, uh, so everybody kind of hates Quark because he's doing this and because it's like a shitty thing to do. Like, you know, Quark's kind of lying to himself and saying like, no, it's like the best offense is a great defense. But we all know that's bullshit. If you're dealing arms, people are dying. And this becomes very apparent in front and center when the region of Palomar shows up and is like, well, I'd like some weapons to kill about 28 million people, you know, over the next three months. And Quark's like, what the fuck? And he kind of fudges things a little bit in front of Haggith. And we already know from a previous scene that Haggith will kill the fuck out of you if you mess with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he blew up one of his former employees' ships after he finds out that he was on Ryza jerking off rather than making deals. So you don't cross Haggith. 
Oh, and that's not, I mean, that's not even a full-on crossing. That's just slacking. Listen, he was probably paying the man for his time. Probably. Sorry, anyway. Plus, if you lie, that's, that's you know, you're breaking trust. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's traitorism, is what that is. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think that's a word. And Quark then finds out that Gala is kind of trying to get out of the game, and he wants to replace himself with Quark. So he's been trying to really make sure that Haggith likes him. But Quark is feeling not great about those 28 million deaths. So he hatches a plan to bring General Nasuk, who is like the arch rival of the region of Palomar under the ship. And he finds a way to get the two together. And not only does he get them in the same room to get them all riled up, he sends General Nasik with his cousin to fuck his cousin over as well, because let's remember, again, his cousin tried to kill him. So a uh, shooting happens, Regent of Palomar gets killed, Haggith, it's implied, is going to be found and killed. And I don't really know what happened to Gala, but I don't care. And oh, he Quark- ran off with Haggith. Oh, so he's fucked too then. Presumably, eventually. Yeah. And actually, well, actually, Haggith probably kills him before they even get caught because he probably thinks that, you know, he did this on purpose. So I think I think we learn more in another episode. Oh, good. Well, I look forward to it. But anyway, ultimately, Quark kind of comes out smelling like a rose. The only thing is he now has to pay for the damage that was done with, by all the shooting in the where were they? It was a um cargo bay. Yeah, it was a cargo something. bay where they ran into each other. So. Don't forget the B plot, Caitlin. God damn it. Oh, the baby. Right. I totally forgot that was this episode. It's not even a B. It's just a thing that's happening. The the B plot is uh, the O'Brien baby is colicky or something. And every time (laughs) O'Brien tries to put it down, it screams. Put it down. (laughs) Except when it's in the pit or when Worf is holding it. Which leads us to the only time in Deep Space Nine history thus far that Worf has acknowledged that he himself has a son. (laughs) Amazing. He's like, I regret that I never saw my child like this. And I have to imagine that the reason he feels that way is because Alexander was probably less insufferable before he could speak. But I never never saw my son when he was this age or any age. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it a lot. I hate it. I hated the B plot, though. Yeah, it was kind of, it just didn't, I don't know. There was no sci-fi to it. Like, it was just a, it was just literally, hey, the baby cries. That was it. There wasn't, yeah. there wasn't, a, like, anything sci- I expected them to, like, come up with a contraption or some kind of way that to, to let Miles continue doing his job. If well, he if put he the puts the baby in, in that, in that pit on the bridge, he shows up. I did love that the solution was stick it in the pit. But the see pit what the is problem in the middle was. of ops. It's That's on the side not, of ops. That is but not so, a solution. So many, but, so many problem babies, so many baby problems have been solved by putting the baby down a pit. That's true. It's, it's just, it's a tale as old as time. tale as old as time. That's literally what I was going to say. <laughs> Jesus. This just baby the, won't shut up. Throw it down the pit. Just ask the Spartans. <laughs> well, yeah, but I was going to say, I've seen the 300. It doesn't always work out that mm. way. It does feel like a very engineer thing. It's like, hey, this worked. Great! It doesn't! And it, everyone else is like, you stuck your baby in a trench, dude. Okay, but here's the thing. If he's carrying the kid around at work all day anyway, isn't it better to have it in the pit in its no. like, little carrier than it is there's, to have him carrying it around all day? There's why it's not better at all. The baby's in the middle of ops, so now whenever you're doing anything in ops, you have to be whispering because there's a baby now. 
But they were not a solution. But they weren't. I don't think they were whispering. Everything they were seemed whispering. To be... Oh well, that's stupid. I was waiting for a red alert to happen. Good red alert. Wah, wah. Oh no, it doesn't work. God damn it, this baby. Well, so, Why didn't and they here's... just make a hollow a hologram of Miles and, and just put the baby in the hollow suite? Or make a yeah, make the hollow suite the pit. The baby yeah, and then yeah. The, and then one. the hollow suite program gets mixed up with the arms dealing one, and you get the the two plots combined. Oh, baby what, no, what happens if, uh, if, there's a, if there's a malfunction <laughs> and the baby it. ends up in the James Bond program Ooh. as as one of the villains? <laughs> but uh, with, with O'Brien's eye patch, I just picture like like the scene in any Bond film where the chair slowly and menacingly turns around, but then there's just a baby there drooling on itself, shitting its pants. And this is actually a really cute baby. I will say I didn't really mind the B plot, but as usual, it really didn't fit with the A plot because Ooh. the A plot was super serious and talking about the deaths of literally millions of innocents. And meanwhile, fucking O'Brien, hoity toity toity toy, my baby always cries. I really, though, now wish we'd gotten the uh, baby with a gun dovetail. I think that would be the way to do it. It also that, made that... me wonder an awful lot this episode, how often is it the baby versus how often is it a pile of blankets because of act- right. because acting with a baby is impossible. Yeah. I'm sure unless you are actively seeing the baby's face. Oh yeah, pile of blankets. A, it is a pile of blankets. Yeah, well, like, or, or, or a did. baby doll wrapped in blankets. Yeah, it's when a- they shoved him in the pit, they specifically said this is a great way that we can do all the acting scenes looking up at the people and the baby's not even there. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you've got a baby and there's definitely at least one scene where you know, as is instinctual to a baby, it was trying to pull off Colmini's badge. Okay. That's mm. Like, baby's just a going lot of, for jewelry. It was doing a lot of arm flapping, which I thought was very cute. Yeah, but there, were, there, there was one point where it was like, and I, I think they kind of managed to keep that arm sort of more swaddled from that scene on. He must have, you know, in a cut scene, must have got his hand, not a cut scene, a, a blooper, probably actually got his hands on the damn thing. Yeah, they're the worst. No, as someone who's been in in an office where someone brought in their baby for the day and leaves it in the middle of the office where it cries and shits, and it's like, I'm doing work. that I I cannot have a baby next to my head while I'm doing work. I've never seen a baby in an office, but I've definitely seen young children, and I just feel like... What are you actually getting done if your kid is there running around? I've I've seen people bring babies to offices to show them off, but they don't... Like they just show Stay. up, show the baby around, and then leave. Yeah, that's like that's the only time I've seen that is when like someone who's on maternity leave will come in, usually you know a few weeks before they're due back, and be like, "Here's the baby, see you in a few weeks." Yeah, and then and they go ops home. Is the, uh, and that makes that ops is even a worse place to bring a baby because everyone's doing like very serious. Yeah. Anyway, but anyway. that's that's the B plot, yeah. and uh, we needn't speak of it again, except I guess in relation to Quark's nightmare. Where Quark <laughs> has not killed the chief, just everything the chief loves. Why did you kill my baby? It's like, wow, even even Quark gets that the chief just getting killed isn't what the universe would do. The universe <laughs> would kill his baby yep. so he could be around to suffer. Well, and plus he could be, you know, more or less guaranteed that the, the universe will kill Colmini again in its time. <laughs> yeah. So yes. why why do it himself, really? Yeah, and also not kill Keiko, so Keiko's still around to be a bitch at Miles. 
Actually, the one thing that sorry, the last thing about the B plot though is like, why the where is Keiko? She She's is got off a, solving a blight. Yeah, there's a blight problem on Bajor, presumably. They, they isn't like, her baby kind of young for her to be away though? Like, what about isn't it breast milk time? They still do breastfeeding she in the left future. Left behind a bunch. All right, I don't know. I just I feel like in the future they've got like. The like legit replacement breast milk yeah. that's like I also wonder, like biologically, I, since she didn't oh, yeah, carry the right. baby, I wonder if she actually well, she carried the baby be. for a while. Well, and also, yeah, but that like, was months wet, and months ago. Don't like wet nurses, I feel like sometimes people just pre- well, but yeah, no, push comes maybe, to shop, just maybe Kira, Kira is nursing the baby, yeah. Oh, weird, I didn't think of that, yeah, mm. that's interesting. Yeah, we're going to talk about that next episode a little yeah. bit, yeah. Anyway, the anyway, A-plot. back to back to Quark's dream where he learns that he gets a lot of people, a lot of his friends killed doing arms business and bullshit. So we've got another fucking dream sequence with the Ferengi. Fuck this! <laughs> it's just yeah. body parts all over again, and I'm done with it. See, it was too on the nose for me until O'Brien was like, "You killed my baby." And I was like, "Wow, why did you kill my baby?" Yeah, the 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 dream sequence is on the nose, but. It is interesting to sort of have a story where it's like, here, here's the line for Quark. Yeah. Or uh, a line for Quark. Yeah. And he, his attempts to deal with it. And One of many it. lines for Quark. But like, yeah. the way he deals with it is so bad. It's a, like, his solution <laughs> to this problem. Romulan plot, practically. Like, it There's could not have even gone that wrong in a million it. different ways. And like, the, you know, the instead of going to Cisco or even to Odo, who probably would have helped him out. Go to Garrick. Or yeah, That's Garrick would have helped him out. There's so numerous the people to, he could have got to help him. You're referring to the fact of, let's just put the regent and General Nasik in a room together and see what happens as the plot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah his solution is to pit them against each other, which well, no, probably no, I don't wouldn't think, even no, solve that- his... That is I don't think that is, though. Actually, what his actual thing that he's trying to do is make them think that they're selling to both sides because it's that's been said over and over again that it would be really, really awful if the other side found out that you were selling. So yeah, it wasn't so much to, it wasn't so much to pit these two mortal enemies against each other so much as to sort of, oh, look, we're literally dealing to both sides and here's the proof right now. I think that was the point. Not But what, so then what would have been the end game in that scenario? If the, that had well, worked they out. They kill Haggith, maybe? Yeah, they kill Haggith. That would have been or my Haggith, guess. Or they or they just lose the business and yeah. then Haggith kills Quark for ruining the business? Yeah, but well, Quark kind of accepted that his death might be an inevitable outcome, and he's well, okay with it because it would save 28 million people. Also, by having his cousin bring in the, the other person, yeah, it kind of makes it look more like... Like, it looks like to the regent and the general that they're getting double-dealed, and it looks to Haggith that the cousin was trying to cut a separate deal behind his back, so he's got... The regent and the general mad at both of them, and then Haggith mad at the cousin. So and who's Gala mad at? Uh, probably Quark, but it doesn't matter because he's probably not going to live long. Yeah. And all Gala has to say to Haggith is, "Yeah, Quark said that this was cool. Like Quark set this." Yeah, up. but Haggith kills you if you go on an unplanned vacation. I don't think he's going to listen to Gala's excuses. Well, except him and Gala have been in business for a long damn time. Well, how do we know that he and Farak weren't in business for a damn long time? Of course, th- then again, the other problem is 
like, great, we were in business all these years, and you pulled in your idiot cousin who fucked us. Well, that's so, why Gail has been trying to, like, build up Quark as competent for all this Yeah, because he wants to be able to... Quark is usually pretty competent. Yeah, he wants to, like, retire and have Quark take over for him. So it's like, I've been building up this guy, building him up, building him up, building him up, and now he's fucked us. He might take it out on both of them if he lives. Yeah, I don't know. So Haggith, to me, other, you know, they, they have that one scene with uh, with the guy that was dicking off and, and fucked up his... Farrick. Sounds like He ferricked up. Yeah. Uh, and, um... I don't know. Otherwise, though, like, Haggith doesn't seem... Like, they show that, and obviously he's fairly unreasonable in that scenario, but I didn't really get the sense that he was that big of a loose cannon otherwise. Yeah, if they hadn't had that scene, I think they needed that scene specifically to be like, yeah. he is dangerous. Yeah he's, yeah, he's unstable. He'll fuck you up if you so much as sneeze. Yeah. He also didn't kill Farrick, like, outright. He, like, sabotaged his runabout or something. Yeah, his warp core breached. Whoops. Which, yeah, that's, I'm sure that's like the easiest way to fake a uh, murder, not fake a murder, get away with murder in the whole goddamn galaxy. Mm, but like, blow at any, any moment. I don't know. I don't know if I even buy that it was, that it was Haggith that did that. I'm kind of thinking it might have been Gala that did it. Mm. No, I'm pretty sure they were Considering Gala really has a history of sabotaging Haggith. ships. Oh, that's true. Well, he, you know, it could be, uh, Gala Haggith. did it on orders from Haggith? Yeah. Or just yeah. Gala's trying to fuck Quark over. Like, I just, I did not buy the entire premise here that Gala, who has tried to murder Quark before, is suddenly like, Quark, you're my favorite cousin. Yeah, I was definitely waiting for a betrayal from him of some kind. Hmm. Like, I, I definitely spent most of being like, all right, what's Gala's angle here? And I was, I was eventually, I, I guess what it comes down to is like, with someone like Haggith, who's clearly a bit nuts, probably the only way he could retire was by having a replacement ready. Yeah. And so it's just like, fuck it. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's exactly right. Like, that was his betrayal, because he's sentencing yeah. Quark to a life of having to deal with Haggith's fucking crazy bullshit. Yeah, and likely like, getting killed by Haggith. Yeah, Because yeah. exactly. that's the thing, is like, even though there was only that one scene, like, definitely the way the guy played it, there no, was always... There was, we also got that flip out about the food where he was yeah, just Yeah, but that turned out to out. be a joke. He was, well, a, he I was know, but on. still, what a crazy asshole. Nobody, who the fuck jokes like that? But, I mean, there, there, there was always this undercurrent in his delivery of just, like, he might just flip at any moment for no good reason. Interestingly, that actor was actually in, um a Bond movie where I forget if he was an arms dealer specifically or was allied with one. Typecasting. But yeah, I assume that was a bit of metacasting. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of typecasting, we have our Regent of Palomar, played yep. by Lawrence Tierney, whom we've seen before. He was um, Cyrus Redblock. Mm-hmm. And apparently... Second, Jake? From The Big Goodbye. Yeah, from The Big Goodbye. Yeah, he's uh, from like Reservoir Dogs and all those things. That too, yeah. Oh, cool. He just always plays... You Big know, tough guys. A shady, tough mobster was, guy. That I might have known. Yeah, the the Cyrus Redblock there, the hologram from the hologram Dixon Hill gangster. episode. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but apparently, like, he had, and it's unclear how recently, like, within the last couple of years, it sounds like, uh, he had suffered a stroke. Hmm. Oh. So while he was still able to, like, 
do the scene, like apparently like retaining the lines was troublesome for him. Yeah, that's sad. And yeah, and I wasn't the big, because, you know, as I've seen him in The Big Goodbye and in Reservoir Dogs, I felt like he didn't have the same presence. He seemed a little bit muted mm. in a way that I wasn't terribly interested in. Yeah, I had just written it off as age, but yeah. uh, apparently it was a bit more than that. Yeah, but everybody did love having him on the set. And I know, like, this was our first directorial gig by um, Siddig Elfadil. Yeah, who used his his given name. Well, not quite given name, but his, his original stage name as his director's credit. Because his yeah. actual name is like 13 very long. long. Yeah, it's on Wikipedia. Yeah, so poor Siddig's dealing with, okay, I've got, I've got an, an actor here who's like a really big name and he can't remember his lines. And cool. I'm dealing with a baby. Oh, what the fucking baby, baby no. Set. Put it in the pit. Uh, so was so was Haggith just supposed to be a human? Like, he didn't have any head ridges or anything. Yeah, I assume so. I'm not sure. So. Human or humanoid, because we, we see a lot of those that yeah. are indistinguishable yeah. from humans. Which is weird. A, a, a universe full of possibilities. So <sighs> many humanoids. Well, that's what happens when you're all grown from the same... Seed. It's the same god's, god, god yeah. semen. <laughs> Speaking of things that made me roll my eyes. Uh, <laughs> good, good. How was that for a segue? Is Did it the like Umox? That? It's the Umox, isn't it? Oh, God. Yeah, that too. But no, um, what I actually didn't like about this is I feel like Quirk gets off <laughs> pretty <laughs> easily Umox. here. But he, we find out in sort of like a throwaway that like all of his debts are paid off before he decides to have this like change of feeling about his new work and i know that 28 million deaths on his head maybe would make even the most profit hungry ferengi think twice but it just kind of made me wonder like all right but if he still had all if he still had his debt would he have made this choice ultimately like i just think it it makes it a little too easy and i think it takes like some of the like Nobility. Yeah, it takes some of the nobility from what he does, hmm. knowing that he's already earned all he needed to to at least square himself up. You know. Yeah. It reminds me that like the a lot of the angles with how everybody on the station is shunning Quark now because they know he's doing arms dealing. It kind of rubs me the wrong way because they kind of have forced themselves to allow him to continue the arms dealing because Haggith supplied arms to Bajor 8,000 years ago, or yeah. you know, 50 years ago. Well, the, uh, Bajoran, well, assume... the Bajorans kind of allowed him. I mean, it sounds like Cisco probably was... allows it. Yeah, he de Cisco definitely doesn't want to allow it. But not at all. Well, no, and he tells said, him, as soon as you fuck up, I'm coming for you. Yeah. And, I mean, and I'm sure Cisco said, like, attention all Starfleet personnel... Quark is persona non grata, so don't frequent his business. Yeah, I had assumed that that was, that was Cisco's orders. And again, even Kira, like, is not happy with this decision. They should go after Haggith. They should. They, like, I know, I know it's, it's, a, it's a situation in which you're like, yeah, you helped us during the occupation, but you're still doing it, and it's bad. It's super fucking bad. You're I right guess... here in our station, and we could just put the cuffs on you. I guess the issue becomes you need you need a, you need the actual like evidence and proof and a case and this and that and right now the Federation is too busy dealing with the Dominion and Bajor is too busy being Bajor. <laughs> um, yeah, but I also think that 
so you know the way that they say that oh this is technically not illegal is because they're only they're using the hollow suites to demo the guns yeah there are yeah. No, actual no actual weapons guns. on the station um and then when they actually make the deals they happen off in international space yeah so it's out of jurisdiction but when they have the regent show up and they're making a deal to sell was it like biogenic weapons or something? It was some it was some like yeah. seriously illegal shit. Yeah. yeah. I feel like at that point that they they could step in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and like maybe... Quark could have just gone to Odo yeah. and put the cuffs on him. He could have just gone to Odo and be like, Odo, pretend to be a suitcase full of biogenic weapons. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and bring uh... in Garrett, because we need more Garrett. God yeah. damn it. Yeah, but I think also like that gets rid of Haggith, but that doesn't get rid of the Regent, and the Regent will just buy this, buy these weapons somewhere else. Mm. Well, yeah, but yeah, I guess that's true. Like, who's the who's the most evil one here? Quark. Quark. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus even Jad Z is mad at him. Very mad. Rightly so. Rightly so, but they're still allowing it, and that's where I just was like, you got you guys have made yourself angry for the sake of making yourselves angry. But you're not going to do anything about it. Well, no, no, they're they're. I think it's like it's a classic. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. <laughs> it's like yeah, no, Quark, pretty you're angry. technically not breaking the law, but I really thought you were better than this. Sort did of you? Thing. Did you really? Have you met Quark? Yeah, that's that. That's a thing, though. It's like, hmm. Remember, remember everything else he's done. Yeah, the contracts with his Dabo girls. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, but I guess the, it's the difference between like. Like creepy sexual shit that's definitely rotten to the core, and genocide. Yeah, like Harvey Weinstein, piece of shit. Oh yeah, Hitler, bigger piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't like but, either but of them. When they're the same piece of shit, <laughs> or I guess whoever was selling Hitler his weapons. I think he were just made for him by by government persons that were there. Yeah, fair enough. Not governments, uh, Munitions? Oh. Yeah, munitions. IBM. Factories. IBM made the, the computer that did They the, did. The tabulating for the death camps. They did. They then happily went on to work with the South African government. That, sounds, really? like, that sounds like that. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, IBM so is horrible. So Quark is IBM? Or Haggith is I, IBM? I think we've lost the, tr- the, 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 the metaphor here. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. but who's Macintosh in this scenario? Dax. Uh, Garrick? Okay. Yeah. No, I also I also guarantee you because you know we, we say oh yeah we'll give we'll give a little bit of a pass to this because Haggith you know dealt ar- uh, dealt arms to the Bajorans. I practically guarantee you he was also dealing with the Cardassians. Well, didn't they discuss it? I feel like they talked about that specifically, and I don't remember he what was said exactly. But he didn't because he felt like they were going to lose anyway. Do you believe this asshole though? I don't believe this asshole. I don't know, because he admitted to the other times he'd sold to both sides. Yeah. No but reason not for on him. Deep Space Nine. Mm. Uh, I'm no, also yeah, guessing well, that, like, the Cardassians, you know, uh, the Cardassians really are a major power, and they probably have their own weapons, yeah. ca- building capabilities. Yeah, like, mm. they didn't necessarily need anything special from him. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there were no phaser factories on Bajor. Yeah. Hmm. Just gardens. Yep, gardens yep. that were burned down. Oh, did um did Haggis assistant 
do anything in this episode aside from give Quark Umox? Did she even uh, have a line? I don't know. Oh so. no, she didn't talk. Definitely oh, did God not. Damn it. Yeah, she was a sexy lamp. Right. I don't even think the opposing. Uh, no, the general. Nasik. The general, like that, like like their whole team didn't have anything. Yeah, no, we didn't say. see them. Oh, her team. I think she got a line though. Did she? I don't think. Yeah, because I she? think I feel like she asked Quark what she was doing here, or so she said. Oh yeah, I'm that pretty sure right. she said something before yeah. he was he like like pawned them off on Gala. But yeah, that that you can write off mostly as just uh, you know it was a brief scene, a sight gag almost. Yeah, and we don't have cheaper. the runtime to deal with this properly, so we're gonna wrap up the episode. Yeah, you know, and it's cheaper spring. to uh, have you know wordless extras. That's true. You don't have to pay him for you don't have to pay him to talk. You just have to pay him to touch your ears. Oh no! I meant for the team. I, there was. I think they should have. I mean, the 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 woman too, though. She she should have had some something anything. I don't know. Just cause. Yeah, gross. One one final thing I wanted to make sure I brought, I brought up, um, and that's when we're talking about how um Jake volunteers to babysit because oh, yeah. he's apparently been babysitting uh, Ensign Villick's prance hatchlings, hatchlings. Yep. who have little wings. Yep. To make sure I'm their little wings tangled. don't get tangled. I'm so, so sad cute. we never see them. I, I, I'm i sure they look like little axolotls or something, and I'm very happy. Oh. I like that idea. Okay, but here's the thing. If he's been doing that, why did the baby start crying and he immediately froze up? Because the baby you, Baby sucks. hatchlings don't cry? Yeah, but like the thing is, is it was a pretty... A baby crying... It's a pretty normal thing in a handoff. So that to me seemed like I almost felt like I didn't understand why that scene, why Jake was there, because it's like, I mean, I get that it becomes a trend that every time the baby is not being held by O'Brien, but I feel like, I don't know, that handoff, that's how it normally goes. I feel like every time someone hands me a baby, they cry. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just my experience because babies can smell my fear. I don't know. I was surprised you didn't, like, come up with a sling or something to put the baby in. Exactly. Yeah, telling me there's no baby else. Bjorns in the future? They'd be like little hover Bjorns. Yeah. You don't have to hold them. They're just swaddled in this thing, and they float. I mean, the child in The Mandalorian had a sweet flying bassinet. You're telling me we don't have this? That was in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. You're <laughs> telling me in the future we don't have this shit? Come on now. I don't know. My my first note was, can't we sedate the child? So, Ooh, yeah, that's true, too. This is what happens. The future's so good, they have all this medicine, but you can't just give a child bourbon on its teeth <laughs> when it's teething anymore. Yeah, this'll help with the pain. It'll shut you the fuck up. Here, have some of that. Anything else about this episode? Not from me, and I know we see more of that stupid baby in the next episode. Sure we do. Yeah, it was funny because I feel like every time we talk about, it's like every time we talk about it, Ames, you're like, oh, it costs a lot of money to have the baby on set. Oh, it's really hard to have the baby on set. And then we got two in a row. I was like, I Jesus. I was surprised. Apparently yeah, it's not that, that fucking difficult. Yeah, uh, but it was like, it was like for brief, a brief moment in the next episode though. So. Yeah. And I, and I also assume like most of the time it was a bunch of blankets. Yeah. I actually don't remember seeing its face in this. I could be wrong, but we I just do didn't. see its face. Oh, okay. I didn't. When Kira's it. holding it, you see its face. Well, so why do we see the baby in the next episode? Well, Ties of Blood and Water to Kenny Gamore is back. Yay! Uh, we met him in Second Skin. As a reminder, that's when Kira got cosmetically altered to look like a Cardassian. 
Because they were trying to trick Gamora into thinking that she was his long lost, like, undercover daughter. But of course, she's not. They still had a nice relationship, though. And we get to see that sort of, well, sadly come to an end in this episode. But it's uh, a furthering of that plot. Gamora comes to the station and Kira wants to work with him on this great project. Well, I guess it's more just covert ops stuff, isn't it? Uh, Down on Cardassia. But he's like, you know, I'm really psyched that you thought of me for this, but I've got Yaren Fell syndrome and I'm going to die. Oh, no. I feel like everybody has something or other syndrome that's fatal. Like, I feel like that happens a lot. I feel like Mm. Star Trek just hands out such and such syndromes. Oh, and it's completely like you can't stop it. Like. Who else, you know? So that's a that's a real bummer. So Kira's kind of taking care of him. And it's leading to lots of flashbacks of when she was taking care of her dying father back in the Resistance days. However, Kira's not the only one who's heard that Gamora's dying. President <laughs> Tyrant Emperor Gul Dukat yeah. has also heard that Gamora's dying. And uh, I think is sort of considered a traitor, to Cardassia, because he's kind of like, you know, we shouldn't have fucked up all you Bajorans. But more importantly, he's got info out the yin-yang about every single Gull and other, like, high-ranking Cardassians. So Gull Dukat shows up to try to either bring him home, presumably to execute him, or just kill him on the space station to shut or to shut him up. And the reason why he wants to shut him up is because the Cardassians apparently, when they're dying, have this fucking great, amazing, petty ass tradition, <laughs> which is they. It they sounds tell, like a Bajoran thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, no, I don't know. It sounds pretty Cardassian. <laughs> uh, when a parent is dying, they pass on all of their secrets to their heirs or children. And since Gamora doesn't have any children and anymore, because. Of. Well, yeah, we his daughter is presumed dead, but he thinks of Kira as being like his daughter, which he says like six times in the first two minutes of the show. And it's like, Jesus Christ, we get it. But anyway, so he wants to tell her all of his secrets. And she's like, uh, I don't know. She seems pretty uncomfortable with this whole death thing. And the reason, of course, is that when her father was dying, rather than stay with him to the very end, she went out to get some revenge. And when she came back from killing off the Cardis, her father had died without her calling out her name. So this is basically just her reliving this really horrible past, you know, not wanting to go through it. No, just past. Yeah. Past period. Also trauma. Past trauma as well. But past and past trauma. Basically, exactly. And so, you know, not really wanting to deal with it. On top of that, she finds out that, you know, Gamor was in the military and attacked a monastery when he was like 19 and she's pissed off about it. But that's probably just because she's, again, trying to avoid the feelings and the the dealing with the past and the present. And it's a big emotional mess. But he he she does. He does tell her some secrets. He does die. Yeah. But first he gets to meet his not-grandbaby, who is not his not-daughter's child. Yeah. Not baby twice removed. Not baby twice Yeah, t- yeah that's good. <laughs> the Cardassian man meets his Bajoran daughter's human baby. Ah, <laughs> uh, science fiction. Also, Wayun is back. Oh, yeah, Wayun. Yeah, that's yeah, weird. He's a clone. He's the fifth clone. The last one was the fourth clone, and he's dead now, but we have a new Wayun. Yep. And he's better than ever and really excited about winning lots of fucking Latinum. <laughs> what a yes. weird thing. So excited. I like, didn't, um, uh, what's her fuck? Why can't I 
Why am I blanking on her name? Ooh. Zial. What didn't ah. Zial predict that the that the Vorda were going to be gambling addicts? She suggested it was a possibility. Yeah, they yes. might oh, love yeah. sex, gambling, and food. Yeah, so and drinking, drinking, yeah, and gambling. And it's apparently very hard to poison. Yes. Nice. Let's start with Wayun because we're here because it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Because you know, they the the writers painstakingly killed off Wayun into the death, and they were looking the whole time for a way to not do it. And they realized now. We've just got to kill him off. Sorry, Jeffrey Combs. We fucking love you, but we are dead. And then they realize later, damn, we just love Jeffrey Combs so much he that we're gonna best. we're gonna decide, okay, clones, just to bring you back, even though you're not even necessary in this episode, like at all, at not all, at all. all. Nope. But we love this guy. I feel like you know, number five, they upped the sass factor. You know, they're like, we're not gonna do a straight clone of four. We're going to do a clone of four, but we're going to up this factor here. And that's kind of my question. My question is, so, yeah, I, I believe it that the founders have this technology to do cloning and stuff. How much of a clone is it? Because one of them, I think Cisco says, like, oh, it's like immortality, huh? And I'm, and I'm sitting here like, that's not what immortality is at all. <laughs> this no, is I an think, entirely I think different they retain, thing. I think they somehow retain the memories Up of, to when, though? I don't know. Presumably their last upload. Yeah, they probably periodically sync. So, like, he probably doesn't remember, say, the last mission Wayun 4 went on. Like, they probably gave, you know, when they woke him up, they were like, here's what happened to the last one. Reads it, goes, huh. But, you know, and I, I... I like the idea of the of the clones mostly just because it it there is some interesting storytelling that they that they end up doing. Oh, that's fun. You know, and they they even explore how the clones different clones do actually have distinct personalities. Hmm. Okay. Um, so we'll, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, and Jeffrey Combs is a lot of fun. Yeah. Do we see yeah. other Vorta clone folks that we've seen before? I don't know. It do might... we see another? What's her name? Kilari Kalana. Not that I know With the tits. Calamari. With the tits. Mm. As they now, of course, thanks to this retcon, we, we now have to wonder, you know, what number any of them had been. Hmm. Yeah. Number nine. Mm. I am not a number! I am a free man! But yeah, yeah, so his, that was uh, fun. But he also didn't have really anything to do in this episode, but still, he's still enjoyable. Except just to devour the scenery every time he was <laughs> on a scene. Well, it's great, because it's like... Cisco and Ducat are having their usual glare off. Yeah, and he's there to just be like, "This is fun." Oh my god, this episode had some of the best burns, though. Like I, I wrote down a couple different burns that were great. When when Ducat is like, you know, oh yeah, I'm the whatever he calls it, president of of Cardassia now or whatever. Yeah. It is. And he's like, oh yeah, I don't like the titles, like you know, captain and oh, or you know, emissary. I'm like, ooh, scathing burn, Ducat. <laughs> wow. But then Gamora gets a great burn in on Ducat later. I think it's on Ducat. Someone Gamora has a good burn on somebody, saying like, oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, we be doing this if you hadn't been with the Dominion. Mm, like, yep. oh, another good burn. Yep. The company you keep. But I don't know. For me, this episode was an exercise in blue balls. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Because I don't know. There's just. Like, I don't know. They So they bring Ducat to the station. And the whole time, there's the implication that Gamor know, you know, has some dirt or something that's really going to fuck up 
Ducat's plans. Yeah. And like that's the implication of the only reason that Ducat is here is to get Gamora back before he can expose this either dirt or strategic right. stuff that yeah, the, the Federation is going to want. Ducat could have just sent an underling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and probably he would have totally fucked Ducat, but Kira was being too in her feels and stubborn to talk to him until well, it was too I mean, late and he couldn't. Well, she it. still got a lot of it. She there was did. that whole montage. They yeah. had a yeah, lot of There was of a talk. montage of information, but like we ne- we never Maybe hear he was it. Like what the was best for last? Like hmm. what was the thing that was that had Ducat so freaked out that he Maybe made a was... special trip to Deep Space Nine with Wayun? Maybe it was the combination of his luggage. No, you know, no. and then you know, like Ducat's also Steel his undies. He also says at one point, "Oh, I know where your real daughter is." Yeah, and was that just a bluff to try and convince Gamora to, to go with him? Yeah. I would assume so. In um, this episode, it's unclear, but I did see that there's a novel that states that, and you know, novels. You know, what are you going to do? That states that Ducat does in fact know where Ileana is, and that could have been interesting. Like. Ileana intrigues me to no end because, you know, the fact that she could or could not be alive and she could or could not be all these things makes her a very intriguing character, even though we have never once seen her. Well, we know that she apparently probably looks a lot like Kira right now. <laughs> Does she, though? We don't know because the Codassians are so great at prosthetic surgery. No, no, yeah. that's that's true. But well, if if, um, you know, that's the thing, like, I, I feel like this episode kept kind of hinting at shit like. Oh, we're gonna see the daughter, or we're gonna see, you know, we're gonna find out some real, you know, some real juicy dirt on Ducat, and it just never gave up the goods. Mm. And well, you know, that's fine be because characters. the episode was about Kira. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like I don't know. I just feel like dangling those things for us in front of us was was kind of cruel. That's on a good point. Writers. Yeah, and I didn't unusual. really. Yeah, I didn't really think of that just because I was enjoying the Kira stuff a lot. Because I know we've said in the past, like, Kira is the character that they have, like, done the most with. Yeah. And Anab Visitor has fucking hand- handled-, handled it beautifully all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was just enjoying watching that. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I feel like, I guess for me, my impression was the stuff he knew was stuff that wouldn't necessarily have an immediate massive payoff. He just knows enough little shit that could destabilize Ducat. Well, and we did hear him giving up the name of, like, one of his most mortal enemies that could really fuck him. Yeah. He but was we don't know like, how. Right. No, we don't know how, but we know that, like, you know, maybe I mean, someday him- Kira goes to that guy and is like, hey, I heard that you could really fuck up Gal Ducat. Oh, well, no, the comes- answer's gonna be, the answer's gonna be, that guy knows about Torzial. Wait, everybody knows that now? God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually Ducat has that. a secret Bajoran daughter. It would be really funny She's if She's in that a Breen prison. <laughs> yeah, this is more that stuff that, you know, like Starfleet Intelligence can try to use to try to get moles set up and things like that, I feel like. I also, though, feel as though Ducat at this point, well, two things. A, I think he's untouchable by other Cardassians. Like, any mm. dirt that they would have... He is he is he is being now backed by the Dominion mm. and they're propping him up. So there it could doesn't be changes matter. everywhere on Cardassia now. Yeah. Mm. And like if there's if there's somebody that has dirt on Ducat, 
So fucking what? What are they going to do? Go to the press? Get murdered. That's what's going to yeah, happen exactly. to these people. Exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen. And then the second thing is not so like, A, Ducat is untouchable, but even if he were, he's completely replaceable yeah. because the Dominion is the real power. Uh, he, uh, he doesn't have any power here. Yeah, they could if just he, replace him and no one would know. They could just be looking, you know, have a, a changing that looks like Ducat still wandering around. They don't even need that. They, yeah, just, no. need, they just need uh, they could have any other Cardassian Damar, running the show. My God. Well, and that's, and that's the thing I think a lot of the point of what was happening with Wayun in this was, is like, it really shows off the end of the day, the disinterest the um, Dominion has in like sort of the petty squabbling. Like, as far as they're concerned, they're eventually going to run the quadrant. Yeah. You know, they're like, we'll let Ducat play his little game. This is adorable. But, like, yeah, I think that, in which in a way makes them, a, a, you know, a very interesting sort of, like, it's an interesting view into them, where there's, like, they really, like, they know in their minds, you know, like, we're definitely going to win. Hmm. This is all just so cute. We'll let Ducat play his little fucking I'm the Emperor thing. That's so cute. And hot. I mean, if anything, Wayun might have been there definitely as sort hot. of intelligence gathering. Yeah. To see, like, hmm, what actually is this relationship between Ducat and Cisco? Because there's something, yeah. there's something weird here. There's something sexy there. They're adversaries, but they're they tolerate each other sometimes. What's going on? Yeah, I actually thought the standoff between Kira and Ducat was super sexy. I thought of you, Ames. <laughs> I can pitch a mug at his head. Yeah, and I, I loved when he like slid the the tablet across the table. Mm. Didn't reach her, so I could have done that that scene better, but, you know, still great. Yeah. But, and again, just another, like, what was Ducat's play there? Was it to make, so ma he wanted to make Kira hate Gamor, and then that would make Gamor want to go back to Cardassia with Ducat? I don't understand. Well, maybe just he was hoping to stop Gamor from telling her all this information he didn't want her to have. Like yes. maybe he thought if she won't talk to him, she won't get any of the goods. Or it's just gotten to the point of like, I'm losing. I'm at least gonna be petty and fuck up this relationship. That sounds accurate too. Yeah, that, that, that sounds that's, like all that's Ducat. what I'm thinking. Because here's the thing: like Ducat in the very end scene says, "Well, we're just gonna tell everyone on Cardassia that he complied, that he you know gave in and said Cardassia forever." Yeah. Um, Ducat is my king, and and it doesn't matter what actually happened because Cardassians can lie, and who's going to call them on it? Yeah. Yep. Sad but true. I was impressed they got a mustache guy back to uh, just be in like three minutes of flashback. That was nice. Who Pharrell? Yeah. With all of his various arms. Yes. <laughs> With all of his various arms. Yeah, that made me wonder, because, you know, I know we've said that Nerys has been in the Shakar resistance cell since she was, like, 16, 13? 16, Something. 13. Think, yeah. Um, but her father was there, so apparently the both of them must have been in the cell. Or maybe she brought him along, or maybe, like, once you join the resistance, you know, your family becomes a target, so you kind of have to... Or maybe he joined and brought his family with them. Maybe. Well, I, I, it also could just be that they brought him there because he'd been injured and they knew, you know, they had medical stuff and she'd want to see him. Hmm. 
Like, presumably the Cardassians, when they shoot you, then, like, make sure locals don't give you aid, you know? So somebody probably smuggled him out and, like, oh, we know where his daughter is. Yeah, for some reason, and maybe I'm con- maybe I'm confusing Kira and Ro, I thought that her fa- her parents had died when she was much younger. That had been the impression I was under, but again, maybe And that's maybe why she I joined was... the cell, because she had no one left. Hmm. Yeah, but again, I might be confusing Well, Ro definitely watched her dad die. Yeah, because yeah, Kira talked about that. Death. But I don't remember beyond that about Kira. Yeah. I actually have a question, which is, do you think they really know where Gamora's daughter is, or is it just bullshit? I mean, like, I suspect it's bullshit, but I... Well, we, we already talked about that, that, that they don't say in the episode, but there was a book that claims he does. Oh, sorry, I missed that. But yes, canonically, we have no idea. I All wouldn't right. believe Dukat as far as I could throw him. No, I, he definitely seemed like a desperate I do believe, ploy, because but... he's he knows all... Like, he knew where that other gull's son was abandoned True. on Cardassia was. I'm sure he's got lots of knowledge. Yeah. Of course, the knowledge in this case could just be, fuck you, she's dead. <laughs> that's that's true. true. That's very true. Like, I guess that's maybe what it is. He's sort of implying he knows how to find her and she's alive somewhere, but I bet the reveal would have been like... I know how to find I just, her, because I know where the grave yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just I know, said I know where, the, where she's buried. Yeah, I just said I knew where she was. I didn't say she was alive. He's such That's a, a bad dude. Well, I mean, the other thing... I see, I, don't, I, be- do I don't believe it, because... Here's the thing. <sighs> the Obsidian Order is way more connected than Dukat, like, on mm. the whole. Was. They're gone now. Well, yeah, I know they were. Yes, they were. So if he knows where the daughter is... Goes without saying, in my opinion, that the Obsidian Order knew where she was. And if the Obsidian Order knew where she was, there was no reason to do the um the whole oh, the subterfuge thing? with Kira. They could have just got the daughter and say, Hey, your dad, you know, we were get we're sending you home, you know? Mm. I feel like I think I feel like we talked about this a little bit in Second Skin, and it kind of needed to be a non-Cardassian because then the person wouldn't play along. Like, Kira doesn't want to play along. Like, oh, actually yeah, needs like, to be taken out of there because for her safety. If it were actually Ileana, she'd be like, yay, I'm back home with Cardassia! What, what? Well, if she, was a, if she was a member of the Obsidian Order, they could have also just been like, hey, your dad's a fucking dissident. Ooh. Help us catch him. Help us Ooh. suss him out. I hope that's what the book is about. I doubt yeah, it. I don't, know. I don't know if I buy that I mean, maybe Ducat knows where she is, like her corpse is, but I don't buy yeah. that she's alive. Hmm. Speaking yeah. of corpses, we get a really nice burial area. Mm. Very pretty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now I was trying to figure out at the end. So we see Kira digging the grave for her father, mm-hmm. but it, and it's like not in a nice place, but that's because there's a war going on. Yeah. It's yeah. Like the place that we see outside. at the end, the same spot. I just, think yeah. it is made nice because it looks like there's already a grave with a headstone right next to it. So the I sort grass of assumed, has grown over it. So yeah. I sort of assumed that she just buried her fake dad next to her real dad. Yeah, I believe that's the implication. Yeah, there. yeah. that's what I was getting to. Which is nice. I have a great quote actually. I have a great quote from Robert Wolf about you know how Kira has been like like a, a character that's been like, dragged through the mud and still comes out fighting. And the yeah. the, the line is, uh, "This is her family." The father that is not her father, the baby that is not her baby, that's Kira's family. Mm. 
It's a good line. Yeah. Well, and she even sort of, they kind of had that in the episode as well, because he was like, you're the closest thing I have to a daughter. And she's like, and he, the baby, is the closest thing I have to a son. Like. And then he goes full dad with like, so, you and Shakar, you have one of your own? Gross. Gross, fake dad. Gross. But it also makes sense because it has been firmly established, like, how into family Cardassians are. That's true. And also how Kira has kind of stated, like, oh, yeah, I kind of wanted one of these. We'll see. Yeah, but anybody that knows Shakar would not want them to be the father of their grandchildren. That's true. Awesome. I had a question, actually, about that scene. Because we have Gamora holding baby Kira Yoshi. And... Knowing what a racist O'Brien is, do you think he will he would have allowed that? Well, but see, he's 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 one of the good ones. He was trying to yeah. take down the government. Gamora, yeah, okay, that's fair. I think it was like Kira was like, "Hey, do you mind if my not my not dad, the Cardassian, holds the baby?" And O'Brien was like, "Absolutely not." And then Kira was like, "I'll tell your wife that you were gonna fuck me." And he's like, <laughs> "You know what? Do whatever you like." <laughs> Uh, wow. Well, I also find it so. Given the the entire B plot of the last episode, apparently Kiriyoshi likes being held by non humans. <laughs> yeah, like he wasn't crying when Kira was holding him. He wasn't crying yeah. when Worf was holding him, and he yeah. wasn't crying when the Cardassian was holding him. Well, of course he wasn't crying when Worf was holding him. It's because he knows that's his real daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Just I like meant to Molly. Say it. I meant to say it with the last episode and completely forgot, so. No, you got it in. It's perfect. Oh, you know what I, I found I got it out? in just like Worf did. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, God. I had uh, not realized this before, but this is uh, Gamore. Actually, this is not uh, his actor's only DS9 appearance. Oh, did I miss Did I miss him in other things? Yeah, because I looked him up today because I don't think I looked him up previously. I was like, what else he was in? And he's actually the changeling that Odo kills. Oh, oh. snap. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, okay, well, he's yeah. both the changeling and the, like, ambassador or whatever he was impersonating. Oh, okay. Oh, they got him to be both things. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, I didn't even realize that the changeling and the ambassador were the same actor. Yeah, neither did I. I'd assume they were, but yeah, no, they were, they were both him. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I, I don't know how we missed that. But yeah. But then those are the extent of his Star Trek appearances. Ah. Whereas Kira's father has like seven or eight bit parts throughout Star Trek. Nice. Yeah, his his death was very, very sad. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I recognize the father. I feel like, was he in, was he in Generations? Yes, briefly? he is the Enterprise B comm officer. Okay. That's Otherwise, he's usually an alien. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Like, that, I, recognize, probably, I must recognize him from that. Cause, the, yeah. most, the most of his face that we get to see? Yeah, like, Generations and his appearance as Kira's father are, like, the only times he's not fully... Well, he's been, like, a makeup. Romulan, and he'll be a few other, like, you know, full masky type aliens. Yeah, I will also say, like, I, I expected more of a confrontation scene between Gamora and Kira when she learns that... He was involved of the bombing of some shrine or whatever it was. Mm. And she comes in and she yells at him for a while. And he's like, yep, that's fine. I get it. All right. And I, I don't even think he should have, like, defended himself because I don't think he would. But I felt like it was it was a scene that could have had, I don't know, an extra minute. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since it's the last they really talk. 
Yeah, that were shown anyway. Well, I did like, though, that that they didn't have the confrontation and that it was kind of Odo that, that was went a good and talked scene. sense into her. Yeah, that was a good he was He was reverse psychology and the crap out of her. It was great. Yeah. Yep. And she knew what he was there for the minute she saw him. She walks out, sees him, almost goes back in. That was yeah. a good little bit of blocking. Yeah, but then Bashir comes comes in much, much later and gives her yeah. the same kind of, what is this really about, Kira? Mm-hmm. That's a bad Bashir. That's more of... <laughs> that, that was an O'Brien. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and every so often, like, I, this I, this doesn't happen a lot. It happens fairly rarely when I'm watching DS9. But every so often, I'm just reminded in my brain, like, the two of them are hooking up. <laughs> I was reminded of that this time, too, actually. I was thinking that. It's interesting. Have you guys seen Django, by the way? Because he looks, he is like the spitting image of uh, of Alexander Siddig. They look, he looks oh, much like his dad. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, Nana shared a picture on her Insta of him, and I was like, oh my god, he looks just like him. Oh, I'll have to take a look. Yep, he's a cutie. Shit. Is he old enough for me to say that? Yeah, he's like 20-something. Yeah, Cutie, Cutie I think, is acceptable for all ages. Well, still, I just don't want to be the creep who's like, oh, yeah, that 15-year-old is cute. <laughs> Gross. I don't fucking have time for that. Gross. That was wow. way too much of whatever the fuck that was. Yeah, no, I just kind of realized that. Thank you for keeping that going. I was doing it, and I was like, this sound is horrible. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna run with that for a bit. Oh, no. Yeah, thank God. Thank God you did. Anything else about these episodes? Uh, this one was directed by Avery Brooks. Yes. Oh, yeah, cool. That's right. So two casts, because the last one was, we already said, was by uh, was Julian. Yeah, yeah they, they seem, we somehow seem to get them in pairs when we're doing our coverage, which is kind mm. of fun. Yeah. Neat. It was, uh, you know, I was, I don't think I did, but I meant to say last week that, like, it's nice now that when they do show the exterior of the station, more often than not, there's more star like Starfleet ships hanging around. Like they finally realize there needs to be a presence. Oh, there absolutely does. And now, of course, this week though, there's really not much. Uh, like at the end, you do see there is an Excelsior floating nearby. Like, hey, and you're just like, great, that'll that'll stop that big-ass Dominion warship if it decides to go all fucking Oh, yeah, I forgot Day. to get a good look at whatever Ducat was flying in. It was a big fucker. I, I don't think it's one we've seen before, but don't quote me. Yeah, what did you say to me? That it had purple lights and that's how you know it's Dominion? Yeah. That was good. That's a good pro tip for me, because I can probably remember that. Purple equals Dominion, okay. Yeah. Got they it. also look like bugs to me. They all, they all look like... Their like little ships definitely look like bugs, yeah. Ew. There's definitely like a cockroach, like um, like the ew. underside has like a weird kind of exoskeleton quality. Yeah. I always thought that, yeah, gross. But that's mostly the little like the yeah, little I don't know. I, they didn't get a, a defiant great, sized ones. A great shot of the big ships. So yeah, it was kind of pointy. Yeah, hmm. riveting. I know. Oh well, yeah! Clearly, we've run out of things to talk about. So <laughs> if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, uh, Stardust Dear Herby can be found. We're all Fine podcasts are sold. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Uh, you can find us on Facebook by searching for A Star to Steer Her By. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at SSHB Podcast, or you can visit our website at SSHBpodcast.com. As always, I have been Caitlin. I have been Jake. This has been Chris. And this is always AIM. Join us next week when we discuss Ferengi love songs and Soldiers of the Empire. 
And now I leave you with this. Rule of acquisition number 62. The riskier the road, the greater the profit. Nice. True in life and in business. The rockier the road, the more ice cream you consume. (laughs) Oh, marshmallows. (laughs) The rockier the road, marshmallows. Yes. (laughs) Yum. (laughs) Yum.